Hello and welcome to the Cafe Bitcoin podcast, brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, the best way to buy and learn about Bitcoin. I'm your host, Alex Danzig, and we're excited to announce that we're bringing the Cafe Bitcoin conversation from Twitter Spaces to you on this show, the Cafe Bitcoin podcast, Monday through Friday, every week. Join us as we speak to guests like Michael Saylor, Lynn Alden, Corey Clipston, Greg Foss, Tomer Strolight, and many others in the Bitcoin space. Also, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Make sure you get notifications when we launch a new episode. You can join us live on Twitter Spaces Monday through Friday, starting at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern every morning to become part of the conversation yourself. Thanks again. We look forward to bringing you the best Bitcoin content daily here on the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast. Hello, my friends. It is February 13th, 2024. My name is P. I'm excited to be here. This is, of course, Cafe Bitcoin. How is everyone doing? Don't all start screaming at once. <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Uh, my eyes are hurting a little. I was watching that uh, on Swan's YouTube channel. They put up like a, a minute candle feed or something where you can watch the price and I tell you, as we were ripping past fifty, I was just all eyes on it, and uh, yeah, it's been good. The chat's been live. It's been it's been fun. Hell yeah, yeah. We launched that yesterday. Uh, it's a live stream that goes twenty four seven, so you can get that fix. We broke fifty k yesterday, my friends. It's exciting times. Very very exciting times. How you doing, Mickey? Doing great, man. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. We've got a packed stage. We've got, uh, who else is here? Dom, how you doing? I'm good. You know, just battling the technical difficulties this morning. Nice, nice. Well, Lucas, welcome. Hello, hello. Do you hear me well? We can hear you. Awesome. I'm here in Vietnam, struggling with a tweet. Seems like uh, uploading videos to oh, you're, Twitter. You're cutting in and out. It's not. Is a complication. Is cutting for, in and out for it? Yeah, you're a, you're a tad bit into the matrix there, Lucas, but um, I think we can get you back soon. Well, it's good to have you. We've got an incredible conversation we're going to be having in the second half of the show with Lucas uh, and a number of other people from Prospera, which is an, a region in Honduras that is doing really, really awesome stuff with Bitcoin. So, they're going to be joining us up on stage uh, for the first half. They'll be helping, you know, commenting on all the stuff we're talking about. And then, as I said, in the second half, we'll really be digging into that and uh, going through it. Um, forgive me for mispronouncing your name. I'm definitely going to. Is it uh, Dusan? Yes, yes, it's correct. It's Dusan in Slovak language, Dusan, oh, yeah. but I used to Dusan. Uh, I'm greeting okay. you from Prospera, guys. I'm greeting you from Roatan, our Bitcoin pirate island here in Caribbean. And the weather is beautiful. Um, so I'm super happy to talk about uh, what we are doing here. Amazing. And a uh, quick question, true or false, when you enter Prospera, you're handed, instead of like a lay like you get in Hawaii, you're given an eye patch and a pirate hat. Is that correct? Totally, definitely. And uh, your hand uh, and leg is cut and you're receiving the wooden, the wooden part instead of it. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I'm excited for that. Um, who else we got on stage? Terrence with one R. How you doing, my friend? Oh, good. Just brewing my Bitcoin lightning coffee, trying to catch up here. I don't know what that means, 
but I like the sound of it. Yeah. I don't know how it's, it's, that, it's coffee. Uh, yeah, Lightning Coffee that you buy at the Pacific Bitcoin Festival. Or you uh, can probably buy it anywhere. But I see, I see. I thought you were yeah. like, yeah, we're going to send the, the caffeine through the nodes, you know, using the channels. It's going to be great. And It's flying through my vein nodes right now, so it's catching up. And uh, yes. did some consolidating last night. The the V bytes were were very low, so that was always good. The UTXO consolidation. There we go. All right, my friends, let's get into it. We got some exciting news this morning. Um, as I said earlier, of course, we broke 50k yesterday, which is incredibly exciting. Everyone was calling me to tell me that I was right all along and that I'm a genius. Just kidding, that never happens. They told me I was lucky, but uh, yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Um, Let's dive in. I want to play a video that immediately got me super pumped. My eyeballs exploded, and then they grew back because it was so awesome. Jacob, can you roll that uh, sailor clip? You know, I think a lot of this is just indicative of the popularity of Bitcoin as an asset class. It's, it's now the world's most popular investment asset. It's novel. It's digital. It's global. It's unique. And it's uncorrelated to traditional risk assets because it doesn't come with exposure to any given country, currency, company, quarterly result, product cycle, competitor, not to weather, not to war, not to an employee base or supply chain. And so that makes it a natural addition to the portfolio of a responsible investor. There's 10 years of pent-up demand. People have been waiting for these ETFs. And, and finally, uh, mainstream investors are able to access Bitcoin. And I think that's what's driving the surge of capital in the asset class. And initially, there was a rebalancing as people were moving capital between the futures market and the miners and microstrategy and the ETFs. But following that rebalancing, I think uh, the, uh, the assets found its footing. And now people are beginning to realize that there's 10 times as much demand for Bitcoin coming in through these ETFs as there is supply coming from the natural sellers who are the miners. Yeah. Sailor, incredibly eloquent as always. Um, yeah, man, super bullish times. We're heading into the having, and more and more institutions are being forced to acknowledge that Bitcoin is a major asset class. Anyone want to comment on that before we keep going? My comment's not a super bullish one, but just something that I've been thinking about. Um, so let's say like in a major bank or someone has like 2% of their portfolios in the Bitcoin ETF. And then uh, Bitcoin goes to a hundred K so that it's 4% or 5%. And then they're going to continue to rebalance their own portfolio, right? Like I don't see them keeping that stack at what it is and letting it outpace the other parts of their portfolio. Like don't they tend to sell off to rebalance to 2% or 1% again? So as we continue to near higher prices, do you think that the ETFs are going to be creating uh, like a selling pressure um, in the future due to rebalancing? You know, I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to pretend to be a macroeconomic uh, expert. And by the way, the way that I love to run these uh, spaces is just everybody can jump in and say whatever you want, and then you know I'll jump in and right. cut you off if I need to. So feel free. Oh, Lucas, you gonna you gonna jump in? Um, struggling with my internet still, so um, I didn't mean okay, to we'll, interrupt. <laughs> we'll come back around. But uh, the short answer, Jacob, is my my thought is no. I don't think I don't see that happening. I think that you're absolutely right. A lot of times when um, you know individuals or large institutions uh, they have a set percentage of their portfolio, 
they can rebalance. But I think that what's going to happen is as the price goes up and as we enter this new economic regime where more and more people have to acknowledge that uh, inflation is, of course, as we all know, here to stay and it's going to only keep increasing, uh, I think that that will create much more demand overall. I think the the surge of new people sweeping in is going to outpace any, you know, slight selling pressure from rebalancing. There might be other sources of selling pressure, but I don't see that being a major one. It, it, it is a really good question, though, Jacob, because, you know, the majority of those ETFs are going to be passive, and a lot of people are going to be holding the Bitcoin ETFs and not even realizing it, as well as those other um, hybrid ETFs that will probably pull 1% to 3% of the Bitcoin ETFs. And typically, if not quarterly, at least at the end of the year, you know, like for, for boomers and people that have had been in these brokerages for, you know, 30 years plus, they do get rebalanced. And, you know, people get nervous, especially if they're nearing retirement age or already taking their required minimum distributions. So I do think that is going to be a thing. But what P mentions is interesting because at what point does you know greed and number go up sort of supersede that where it's like whoa 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 let's not balance just yet let's let it ride another year or or whatnot um i think the riis the registered investment advisors obviously still need to get educated on all of this and look at things like the nakamoto portfolio but um i think it's a great question because if this was all automated in theory i think it would um suppress the volatility somewhat which isn't a bad thing Interesting. Mickey, you got your hand raised. Jump in. Come back to us. Can y'all hear me? Am I shouting into the void? He could no. just be stretching. Yeah, Mickey's okay, stretching. Fair enough. Yeah. Never know. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, well, let's keep going. Um, in other news, uh, Peter Thiel, it came out, he threw $100 million into Bitcoin. Exciting stuff. Unfortunately, he also threw another hundred million into general crypto. But uh, I think a lot of people view Peter Thiel as a uh, as a strong signal, and so I think when he does something, people listen, people watch. Um, yeah, I found that, I found that pretty interesting, especially right now as we you know enter this important price point of fifty k. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm curious. Anyone have any thoughts on that? Wanted to point it out. No. Whenever like large institutions like Apple or someone, um, if they were to buy Bitcoin, they would have to report that, right? Like no one, only like single individuals can be doing this on the low and then like brag about it. Like we did this two no. years ago, of course. Like uh, if it's a major corporation or something like that, like don't they have to like? Because um, I just have this feeling that like uh, Apple or these large institutions or pop, you know popular finance dudes are going to come out of the woodwork absolutely when it's like 75k 100k and they'll be like no I definitely bought at 20 but I would have never said anything if it stayed at 20 I'm just saying it now so you think I'm extremely smart like I I can definitely see that happening more often but if it's a large corporation they'd have to report it on their quarterly if they're, if they're public if they're public ah interesting Wait, is, is that true though I thought that there was a de minimis exception again I do not pretend to be an expert on this Private, pri I'm pretty sure private companies not listed on an exchange do not have to um, disclose their actual holdings. Again, I, I hesitate to even say this because I, you know, don't know what I'm talking about. But I had heard that there was a de minimis exception, uh, or maybe de minimis is actually the wrong word. But I thought that it was there was some percentage below which, even if you are a public company, you can sort of just you know hand wave about it. 
Can anyone confirm that or tell me I'm totally wrong? Get John Har on the line. Get get Goldman. <laughs> get get Goldman Jr. on. All right. Well, since there's nobody here to tell me I'm wrong, I'm going to pretend I'm 100% right. And to promote John Har tonight, well, today, 5 p.m. Eastern, George Gammon and John Har are going to be in Fuck uh, yes. on a space is having a conversation about economics and um, things like that. So it's going to be a really good one. George Gammon will be the one hosting that. So five o'clock, look for that. And John Har will be there. It's going to be awesome. Hey, you guys got, yeah. I got a new, sh- new show idea for Har. It's called the Har way. And, um, you guys, you're welcome. <laughs> is that a play on words, my friend? Cause I'm here for it all day. Love it. Love it. Yeah. That is going to be a fantastic conversation. George Gammon and John Har. For those that don't know, John Har is at Swan as well. He is, uh, you know, has incredible dearth of experience in, he was at Goldman Sachs. He's been an investment, uh, you know, banker for many, many years before he saw the light, got slapped in the face by Bitcoin and jumped ship and now works at Swan. He's totally awesome. Be there. That's 5 p.m. Eastern today. Correct, Jacob? That is correct. That is correct. And we luckily, you, you, you wish to the skies, I guess we got Joe. So Joe may be able oh. to answer some of these really Joe. smart questions. Thank God. Joe Carlosari, thank I you for joining me. That. That's a terrible that, way to introduce someone. But No, 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 no. You, you're a smart dude. Is it true or false? Um, Larry Lepard doesn't think I'm smart. He said I was an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I love he you, He just doesn't know you well enough. <laughs> um, so the question was, is it the case, do public companies, if they are you know, putting Bitcoin on their balance sheet, do they always have to dec- disclose that? And my claim which is probably, which is very uninformed, is that there is some percentage below which they don't have to publicly disclose that they own Bitcoin. Is that true, or am I incorrect? Uh, no, actually, you are you're correct. But the percentage, yes. the percentage you're talking about is like absolutely. I mean, if you're holding, so let's do the math. Uh, cash less than fifteen dollars. Yeah, if, if you're <laughs> if you if you've got if you've got. One million satoshis. You probably don't have to disclose it. That's 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 basically the math. Got it. Okay, so it's not a significant amount of money. Uh, well, it depends. On, you know, I was I heard that one million satoshis is all you need to be in the top. You know, globally, point one percent of people. Right. Fair enough, like, fair enough. Right. I mean, that that'll make you basically more wealthy than Bill Gates. You know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. Uh. How you doing? What uh, what are your thoughts about this uh, breaking fifty k? Uh, the escalator is increasing in speed. Well, yeah, no, I mean it's exciting, um, and and you know to be quite honest, I'm I'm very encouraged by the fact that uh, Bitcoin with this horrible uh, man, we got a horrible uh, CPI print today, um, and I know people are just saying, oh, it's only point one above. No, no, just to give you one of the the key under the hood things that you should be looking at. Okay, I don't know if a few of you guys have already talked about this. Sorry for joining late, but um, the Fed, their their core services, ex housing, is came in at ten percent inflation. That's like that's awful. Holy core shit! Service. Yeah, yeah. It, so everybody looks at the top line number, but if you pull under the hood, the core services ex uh, ex housing is ten percent. That that's that's terrible, guys. That's like that's like you know we're going to six percent on Fed funds. They better start hiking again. Um, awful, awful print. Uh, now, obviously, it's just one print, right? Don't freak out. The world's not ending. Uh, we'll make it through this. It's going to be fine. Um, you know, touch grass, whatever they say in Bitcoin circles these days. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's it's uh, not good. 
Man, I did not realize that it was 10% on housing. That's wild. No, no, no. So it's uh, what I was saying is it's oh. core, core services, X housing, cutting. Oh, okay. Wow. That's actually even worse. Jesus. Okay. Core services, yeah. X housing. That's crazy. Wow. Wow. Well, there is, uh, we've got a clip. I believe it is a group of New Zealand central bankers talking about related issue. Jacob, can you, uh, can you play that clip? Yeah, the fiscal challenges, et cetera, that are there. So um, uh, very focused on being cost effective. We actually fund ourselves and then work out what dividend is needed to pay. So um, we kind of work, it's a great business to be in central banking. Um, mm. Print money and people believe it. And, um, <laughs> and, um, and uh, touch wood. Um, and so, um, so it's, um, it's a slightly different beast. So again, we have a group of central bankers here laughing and cackling about the fact that they just get to print money and quote unquote, people believe it. Um, it's pretty infuriating to me. That's one of the things that really orange pilled me and got me into Bitcoin is the dawning realization that when you print the amount of money that is being printed, you're essentially stealing from the future. It's a way of you know, effectively taxing people without them realizing that you are taking value out of their pocket in the present. You know, in the past, if you wanted to fund a war, or in this case, uh, uh, you know, fund anything, fund some bill, uh, you had to actually send people out into people's homes to you know, collect their coins, their, their, their gold coins or their silver coins. And of course, uh, that doesn't happen anymore. You can just print more money, but that value comes from somewhere. You dilute the, uh, you know, you dilute the, you, you reduce the value of each individual unit of account, and uh, that has a profound and negative effect on people that are trying to save in dollars or trying to save in whatever currency they're saving in. On that note, it was just announced that uh, we, I believe, a. $95 billion aid bill was just approved for Ukraine and I think a couple other countries as well. And uh, again, funding war is much easier when you can simply print money. And uh, as I said, that value comes from somewhere. Joe, what was the thing that specifically orange pilled you? when you decided that Bitcoin was something that was worth uh, thinking hard about? Uh, well, I mean, so orange pill is a great way to put it because I own Bitcoin before I fully understood it. Like I think most people do, like, you know, just being involved in traditional markets. Uh, so I, you know, I, um, you know, had, had exposure to it and I viewed it like, you know, Tesla stock or any other speculative asset. But what really, um, turn the tables for me on it and made me think of it totally differently was uh the, the and i still believe this is is the nature of um you don't need a custodian for it um the money in in the 21st century i think vehemently you need to have something that does not have custodial risk and we have so many uh weaknesses in our assets our sort of value assets that are custodial weaknesses uh, you know for the confiscation asset of assets those types of things that really changed my mind. So it wasn't until I really started messing around uh, with actually actually experiencing Bitcoin, which I think is really, you know, it's kind of, we don't emphasize this enough in the orange pilling 
um, you know, of, of regular normies is like actually just send some Bitcoin around. I mean, there's stories in Silicon Valley in the early days where they would just, you know, fire around Bitcoin around the table when it was much, obviously much cheaper and just have people experience it like an email. And to me, like that's the, that's the experience. That's the most powerful thing about it. Like being able to send it at one in the morning while you're having a few drinks with your buddies around a table like actually seeing it move from wallet to wallet and confirm and not have to rely on the intermediary. That's, that's the secret sauce. Um, I actually feel bad for people that like only have exposure to it through now ETFs or through holding it on Coinbase. I mean, I know people that have held Bitcoin for years that have never sent a Bitcoin transaction, never put it in a cold, in cold storage. I mean, imagine like if the only experience you had of the internet was like hearing about people email, like that's all, you know, you've never actually clicked the button and communicated and sent an email and had, had somebody respond in like four seconds. Um, it just brings on a whole new dimension to it. So like the actual use of the technology, I think is profoundly important for the orange pilling. And if you're one of these guys like Jamie Diamond or, or others where they don't actually sit down and send the transaction with Bitcoin and like watch it in the mempool and like, you know, see the under the hood type stuff behind it, I don't think you get it. So anyway, long-winded explanation for me. I love that. I love that. I also want to welcome um, uh, Jorge, who just joined us. And uh, Jorge, I believe you are the technical secretary of Prospera. Is that correct? Yes, this is a correct. Uh, thank you for the invite. Pleasure to be here. And uh, yeah, we we love Bitcoin. Personally, it's been instrumental for sustaining the rule of law in Honduras. And so I'm happy to be here and, and talk about this. Fantastic. I'm I'm excited to dive into talking about Prospera and uh, with you, Lucas and uh, Deshaun, in just a moment. But welcome to the stage. Um, if anybody we else have, wants, we have KG that joined as well. Machanko. Oh, welcome! Welcome to the stage. How's it going, guys? That sound playing behind you was incredible. I think it was appropriate. It uh, got me pumped just hearing a little blip of it. But welcome, welcome. It's good to have you as well. Uh, if anybody else wants to share their specific experience, I'm always curious. I want to hear Dom Bay. Somebody tell me Dom Bay's orange pill story. I have no idea. And I talk to the guy like all the time. It's, it's, it's here. I, hit us with it, Dom. And please make sure that the setting for this experience is a raging house fire from which you're saving one to three children and a small cat. Dom Bay's yeah, this, 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 this orange pill story comes in phases. Um, and I'll, and I'll do it quick and then I can dive in later, but Joe, you'll appreciate some of these phases. Um, <clears throat> first exposure, I just finished my first year in the fire department. I thought, Oh, let, let me start like investing. All these guys always invest. So I walk out of my room in my apartment and I tell my roommate, this is 2010 or 11. I go, dude, I just bought sprint stock. I'm about to be a millionaire. Like, you don't understand this thing's, this thing's like, um, if they're going to make a comeback, uh, it's undervalued, right? Like the, the, the 30 second pitch. And, and he was actually Joe, my roommate was a lawyer at Latham, very smart dude. Um, also built his own website in college and sold it and started his own business. Um, and he goes, Hey, you want some advice? And I go, yeah, sure. And he goes, sell that entire stock you just bought and buy this thing called Bitcoin. And I'm like, what is that? And he said, I don't even understand it. So I can't explain it. But, um, 
like people are going nuts on these like back channels talking about it. And I go, are you going to buy some? And he goes, no, I, I have too many, um, law school debts. And I go, well, dude, dude, don't try to sell me on something. You're not even going to buy yourself. I'm out. So that was, that was one, that was first, uh, exposure, which we all know. I don't think about it much because I would have never in a trillion years held to this point. I'll tell you zero chance. Um, and, and so the, the next one, the real orange pill was I worked this like event in 2017 and it was, um, it wasn't an exclusive Bitcoin event, but Bitcoin was there. This is before things got super heated with, with Ethereum and altcoins. And so I worked this thing for the fire marshal's office. That was a two day event, all Bitcoin, all blockchain, a lot of new projects being built. And I started talking to some Bitcoiners there over like a 12 hour period. And the thing I walked away with was I had never seen a conviction in a group of people this strong in in anything that I had kind of, that I had encountered. And I left away with this, this sense that like, there is nothing that will unconvince the people I just talked to, um, uh, that, you know, Bitcoin is not the future. And so therefore I was like, I need to look into it. And so I got passively involved and that's when I first started kind of, you know, stacking and, and, um, but, but very passively, like you're saying, Joe, like had it before I even knew what I had. Then the third, which is a story y'all know very well, which was more of like the thrust into an active role in Bitcoin was the tower 17 rescue of a Swan employee who had broke their neck, a story that, you know, and that for me, what is what I call like my, my re orange pill, my re up on the dose where there's just too many signs to ignore um, as far as things that were like pushing me towards becoming more active in Bitcoin and finding a way where I could use my experience to, to kind of like bring Bitcoin to other people. So that's the, the condensed version of my, my orange pill journey. That's awesome. I love Thanks. it. I love it. Uh, Lucas, are, uh, are you back with us? Are your technical difficulties solved? Yes, I think I have perfect internet now. Outstanding. Uh, can you share your orange pill story? Oh yeah, sure. I um, I had a tech startup uh, back in 2010 to sign documents electronically, and in 2011, I was introduced to this Estonian enterprise blockchain company, um, and. Um, <clears throat> After some digging, I realized that we could use their stuff to uh, put the hash sums of the documents that were signed on the blockchain. So we actually integrated this block, private blockchain back in 2012. I think it's one of the first industrial use cases of uh, blockchain. And um, I didn't know about Bitcoin at all and um, only found out about Bitcoin in 2013. And just like everybody, I um, fell for Unit bias, I was like, okay, that's too expensive. Um, what's cheaper? A Dogecoin, uh, maybe it was 2014. Dogecoin, Feathercoin. Feathercoin is even cheaper than Dogecoin. So I bought Feathercoin. Uh, first of all, Litecoin at a, a virtual world, converted it, sent it to EBTC, converted it to Bitcoin, quickly went into Feathercoin. Nobody knows about it. Then four years later, I uh, 
looked at Bitcoin again. I was getting kicked out of my company. I had some time on my hands and um, I started uh, researching Bitcoin. Uh, but Block Size Wars started uh, after I bought some and I got really confused what to believe, who to listen to. And I just thought, oh, whatever, nobody knows anything. So I just YOLO'd into top 100 shit coins. <clears throat> Actually, I found a list recently of my some some stock picks um, and uh, posted it on my uh, feed. Everything is like down 99.98% or something. Anyway, my average was down 98% and I didn't want to touch any of that crap anymore. And in 2020, sold my company and again had to think about how to save properly. And I knew it was really easy to lose money after my 2017 experience. Uh, so I didn't want to touch Bitcoin. That was like the last thing I wanted to look at. So I looked at every single asset for six months, stocks, bonds, gold, uranium, oil, even investing in startups. And just I just concluded after six months of research that everything is super manipulated. I don't trust anyone or anything. I don't want to sit with annoying founders. I just want to build my own companies. <clears throat> and then I um, started peeking into Bitcoin again. Um, saw Michael Saylor at the Seyfedeen podcast, read the Bitcoin standard, and then started going, going down the rabbit hole. And then Twitter Spaces really maximized my my belief in Bitcoin and uh, maxi since 21 early. So that's my orange pill story. That's great. I think that's actually a perfect uh, segue into the next part of this conversation, which is about what you're doing for Spera and uh, everybody on stage that's involved. So maybe just since we're halfway through and new people have joined, uh, let's go around to the other people who have joined us and are going to be talking with us about Prospera and just give a quick summary of uh, who you are and what you're about. Why don't we uh, jump to uh, Dushan next? Do you want to tell us who you are, how you're connected to Prospera? Actually, you know what? Before we do that, Lucas, can you give us a summary of what Prospera is? Yeah, so Prospera is a free private city, kind of like an economic free zone in, for example, the UAE or other parts of the world. And um, it's one of the first uh, or the first, I think, private economic free zone. So it's completely privately held. It's a service organization. I think uh, Jorge will explain more, but it's um, it's not like a government at all. Uh, so uh, you can incorporate a company there. You can also go there and settle and build, um, build a house or buy an apartment. So um, that's what Prosper is. In the island of Roatan, the beautiful island of Roatan, just outside of Honduras, English-speaking island. Uh, so you understand what people actually say. And it's super safe, not like maybe the rest of Honduras. Got it, got it. Yeah, I think... Economic free zones are so interesting to me. And the idea of an economic free zone that is specifically oriented and focused on Bitcoin sounds incredible. Um, Dushan, if you want to give us a summary of who you are and how you're connected to Prospera. Of course. Thank you very much. So um, I'm Dusan. I'm a Bitcoin educator for seven years right now from Slovakia. My background is in teaching. I used to teach mathematics, physics, and English to uh, to students when I was studying in high school and, and university. So I was a I was a tutor. Um, then I founded a construction company, but in 2017, 2016, I ended up uh, with Bitcoin and fall in love with, uh, with the narrative of 
of helping around the world with, with countries of uh, high inflation rates and, and crumbling economies. So, I, but I was really um, interested in in spreading the knowledge. So very soon I started to do uh, webinars, workshops, consultations, and uh, I came to I came to Roatan in March 2022, and I had no idea about Prosper at the time. I just came because one of our mining clients, since we mine Bitcoin in Paraguay, that's how we finance our education activities. Uh, one of our clients, he bought a land on Roatan, and he was sending me very beautiful pictures, like saying, Dushan, you need to come here. I was like, where is this place? Is it, is it Africa? Is it Asia? I had no idea. So then I figured out it's it's Caribbean. I said, that's that's fine. That's nice. Uh, but then I figured out it's, it belongs to Honduras, which is super dangerous, right? So I was a bit afraid to come, but Robert said, no, it's it's not a problem. Definitely come come here. Uh, and one of the reasons I came as well was that there is a, the third largest community on the island are Czechs. And we used to be one nation before, Czechoslovakia. So I was like, what the hell are the Czechs doing on Roatan? They, had a, they have a village here. And I figured out it has to do something with beer because Czechs are the biggest beer drinkers. So they build a, a brewery here on the island. And it was running for a couple of years, then go bankrupt. And the Czechs, what they did, they were like, okay, what are we going to do here? So they built a replica of a black peril. And uh, like the guy who built it, he went to UK, to London. He found some old documents, how the peril looked like. And he came here and he built it locally on Honduras. So it was the largest pirate ship sailing the, the, the Caribbean Sea for a couple of years. So then uh, it got somehow decommissioned and the Czechs built a village here and started to live here. So I was like, okay, I, I just need to see that. So I came here and after a week of having a great time here, I was scrolling randomly over Twitter and uh, I, I found something like a Prospera Summit is happening. I'm like, what the hell is Prospera? So I opened the, opened the website and I saw all these uh, futuristic buildings and beautiful stuff. I was like, okay, this seems too good to be true. And I, I saw these Satoshi's Islands and all these kind of rock pools and scams around the world. So I was very, very skeptical. But I, I was like, okay, I'm leaving in two days from Roatan. Why not to go and check it out? And I came there and I was expecting, you know, five guys on the beach having fun, cheering for freedom. And they were like buildings, beautiful co-working center, um, a, a, a tower being built, a factory being built. I was like, what the hell? Like, this is real. This is tangible. And there were like 50 people. Uh, around there, uh, some of them like uh, very Bitcoin OG uh, maxis. So I felt really good and we chatted about freedom, liberty and everything. I had the opportunity to present ideas that we would like to build on Roatan. So I presented the Bitcoin um, Academy that we would do. And Eric, the CEO of Prospera said, you know, Dusan, I, I love it. And let me take you to a building. And if you like it, um, you can start building it there. And he took me to the highest viewpoint of the whole island, 360 degree view over the whole island. A beautiful, beautiful place. It used to be a school before, a Montessori school, but they needed larger space. So uh, they went out and we said, okay, you know, let's do it. So I was, I was thinking a lot about that, speaking with my girlfriend, whether we should do it or not. Uh, she's right now with me here. She's looking at me like... <laughs> Dusan, we did it. <laughs> so this is like a, like a new chapter in our lives right now, and uh, and yeah, we decided to to start the academy and to to build a place where people can come, they can learn about Bitcoin. So what we do here uh, within Prospera, we um, we help businesses to accept Bitcoin. Uh, we we teach kids. We go to schools, doing a lot of education here. 
uh, starting projects, how um, we can donate uh, like a, one miner that's mining for us in Paraguay. All the proceeds will go to a community, one village here in Roatan, based on their proof of work and their uh, education of a wiser app uh, about Bitcoin. So a couple of projects, education related and, uh, and Bitcoin mining related here. So, um, and yeah, you know, setting up in Prospera was amazing because the people here are super aligned with, uh, with the mission and vision. Uh, we want to make sure that Roatan can run on Bitcoin rails. Uh, Roatan has beautiful pirate history, super huge pirate history. So it uh, also resonates with the anti-establishment narrative of Bitcoin and it resonates with me. I'm a sailor for 20 years, so I love Roatan because I can I can do sailing here. So yeah, this is uh, this is about why I ended up here, and uh, and I'm enjoying it every day. I love that. It's <laughs> fantastic. Um, and also then, uh, Mantura, tell us who you are, how you're connected to Prospera, and uh, how you got involved. Cool. Uh, take it, you mean me. Um, it's Machangura. And my name is Fatato. Yeah. So effectively, I'm an entrepreneur building the Machangura service, which is a USSD interface that allows people to send and receive Bitcoin without an internet connection. And it, yeah, we are available in a few African countries and Prospera is effectively a godsend for what we are doing. It allows us to then use Bitcoin as a unit of account. Uh, ever since they announced having the um, oh yeah, having the ability to set Bitcoin as a unit of account as an entity, uh, we are now in the process of actually registering an entity to do that, and that would effectively allow us to have our operating company in Prospera and then have uh, smaller operating companies in each country that we are in that then have to pay fiat bills. But then we could do all the accounting in Bitcoin because the service charges a transaction fee in Bitcoin. And yeah, all the treasuries hold, has held in Bitcoin and, you know, nodes and all of that. So it for us, using Bitcoin as a unit of account makes things much easier, makes the conversation with uh, accountants way more easier. And yeah, I'd um, like to see way more from what's going to happen in Prospera as time passes. I'd like to yeah. just add that uh, my, uh, KG is also organizer of the Adopting Bitcoin conference in Cape Town. And uh, yeah, a great community builder uh, around Africa. Oh, I love that. Very cool. Well, I have so many questions about Prospera, what you guys are doing. Lucas, please feel free to jump in. You know, if there's if there's specific directions that you think we should take this conversation, stuff you guys want to talk about. Well, what do you think we should go from here? We should introduce Jorge as well. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. Jorge, please tell us who you are, how you're connected to Prospera, and you know, what's so exciting to it about you, or what's so exciting to you about Prospera. No, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, well, currently I am the technical secretary of Prospera, which is a, a so I'm like 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 the mayor or or the governor of the jurisdiction. And uh, for you to understand, Honduras, a Central American Republic, like right in the middle of the American continent, this is you know it's a very poor country, uh, lots of problems, uh, you know, poverty rates somewhere around seventy percent. 
of the population. Then there's uh, quite a, um, you know, there was more violence before. But um, yeah, and then politics is just a, a mess, right? A very conflictive politics, a very, in general, you know, a third world country with a lot of problems. And uh, basically some very, very smart and, and, and idealistic people, they said, um, well, you know what? It seems that uh, in this country, uh, everything is centralized uh, in the capital city of Teusialpa. The national politicians have all the power. And every couple of years, they get us into some sort of, um, uh, some sort of mess, right? Some sort of constitutional crisis or some sort of big national drama. And this is all driven and pushed forward by essentially, uh, you know, very particular interests of uh, uh, the political class entrenched uh, in Teusialpa. So these, uh, the, uh, these people, these uh, attorneys like uh, Octavio Sanchez and uh, Carlos Pineda, very, very bright people, they, um, they started pushing an idea within the circles of power that it was necessary to allow for more decentralization and to basically it w- create a mechanism to allow the politicians in Teus to keep playing their game without impeding uh, foreign investment to come to Honduras and without stopping uh, progress and without you know stopping job creation and essentially just let the politicians play their game but don't stop Honduras from moving forward. And in 2013, they amended the constitution and created the city, which are special autonomous zones that uh, are a part of the political subdivision of Honduras. So Honduras uh, was divided in departments and municipalities, and now it's also divided in cities. Three cities uh, are currently operating in the country. And what was special about these cities is that they could be created by private parties. So... In all the coastal departments of Honduras, any landowner that uh, joined up with investors could create a city and enjoy a great deal of autonomy and essentially displace most of the national legislation, like 80% of it. So this is how Prosperous City was created here in the island of Roatan. And uh, so you almost start with uh, not entirely a blank slate, but with like 80, 85% blank slate, you're still subject to the constitution in some areas, to the penal uh, or criminal code, and, uh, you know, to, to, to migration system. But uh, other than that, uh, we enjoy autonomy on uh, taxation, on public administration, on public services, uh, commercial law, labor law, uh, financial regulation, healthcare, essentially every, every regulated industry, manufacturing, energy generation, distribution. Uh, etc. And so what we did is that we created what we think is a very competitive system of rules and of uh, local governance. And like Lucas was saying, what we do is governance uh, as a service. So we want to open up the governance market because uh, we believe it's been monopolized by traditional structures. And when you allow private parties to come in, you know, to enter that market and create a local governance framework to service people, then we can do it better, we can do it cheaper, we can do it faster. And basically, this is uh, what we're doing in Prosper. And of course, a big part of our uh, ethos is uh, financial uh, freedom and liberty. And uh, Bitcoin plays a huge role in that.
And, um, you know, as usual, there are, you know, enemies to this type of uh, reforms. And so this is one of the, uh, personally, why, you know, my, I have many reasons to, to, to like and, and, and love Bitcoin. But uh, what's been most heartening is that uh, uh, there was a change in government recently in Honduras, well, like two or two, three years ago. And uh, they started attacking us, right? Attacking us, attacking us. And essentially, they initiated a blockade at the financial, national financial system. And uh, it was only through broader Bitcoin adoption that we were able to keep moving forward the, uh, the local governance part. Because uh, private parties, if the national financial system is not working, they, you know, you can go to, to the US or Panama or Europe, you still get financial services. But the local city uh, government, which is the one that I'm running, uh, nobody wanted to service it except uh, the <laughs> crypto and Bitcoin community. And so basically that's how uh, we pay public officials and uh, here they, and they work in the, in the zone. And basically that's how, that's how we operate in, in Bitcoin. Wow. What, what instigated the, the change? What, what, what uh, instigated their financial attack? Uh, basically, you know, there was a new government uh, that was elected in 2021, and uh, it's a very, it's a socialist government, uh, but more broadly than that, it's just a matter that in here, when you win an election, you want, uh, you want to reap the rewards, right? <laughs> you, you know, they have not been in power, it's a new party, they've never been in power, uh, fought for 12 years, and once they reach power... So supposedly, you know, run the country, turns out that there's these zones that are not subject to them and that uh, are free from taxation and free from, uh, you know, the uh, bribes, essentially, because public administration, for you to invest in many projects, uh, out, you know, here in Honduras, you have to pay bribes. So we're exempt from that because we have our own local public administration. And so that really, that really, like, triggered them pretty badly. And so they, they wanted to get rid of us. However, status were made because we, we knew what the situation in Honduras was. And so they were granted with amazing legal stability guarantees for at least uh, 50 years. So we have, uh, you know, status are in the constitution of Honduras. Uh, there's an international treaty that guarantees the permanence of status for 50 years. And there's legal stability agreements. And so basically, they have not been able to to get rid of us, and quite the contrary, we've been able to pull in more investment, create more jobs, and uh, you know, keep keep moving forward. Okay, so uh, it's I think an amazing story about how Bitcoin can provide freedom, not only to individuals, not only to corporations, but also to whole jurisdictions and freedom projects like Prospera. Um, I would like us to dive into the unit of account question now. And um, I'd, I'd like to start just with a backstory, a short backstory. I came to Roatan after I had met Dusan. We did a Twitter space about Bitcoin community in Slovakia. And um, he kept talking about Roatan. And I said, okay, man, it's a Slo Slovak Bitcoin community space. Let's talk about Roatan some other day. And um, when I was going to El Salvador, I say, "Hey, pop by, pop by Prospera, pop by Rotan, 
check out what's happening. And um, I came there and uh, Dusan showed, showed us around and it was just this amazing place. But even more incredible was this uh, legal structure that they had created with Prospera. So I thought, hey, actually, um, Dusan said, you could actually do your accounting and taxes and everything in Bitcoin. It's not formalized yet. Nobody has done this. But um, the constitution of the Prospera Zede, everything is really, it should work. Yeah? So I incorporated an entity after that with the intention of having a Bitcoin as unit of account entity for uh, my new tech startup. So I've been building a company for the past four years and I want to receive payments in Bitcoin. My staff wants to be paid in Bitcoin. So I'd like to do that. Uh, but I've, I've done a few transactions in Bitcoin before. My accountants, they just go crazy. Uh, I have to babysit them. It's just a real headache. So it's almost not worth it. Um, so I was thinking if I could have an entity where I could just not have uh, the hassle of trying to explain to the accountants and auditors and everything what this is, and um, that would be great. And uh, basically, it really started as this personal journey where I just wanted it for myself. And, um, and then seeing what uh, how uh, basically Kotatsu has gone completely uh, on a Bitcoin standard with Machankura, uh, all the reserves are held in Bitcoin, all the transactions are made in Bitcoin, how he was um, fighting also with his accountant and accounting and basically systems that aren't really prepared properly. Um, I, I was compelled to uh, basically ask Prospera to, if we could get this done, if they could confirm this. And so it was, it really started as a practical initiative or entrepreneurs that want to be on a Bitcoin standard. What I just realized um, is that it's actually something larger. We need to remember what the definition of money is. Money has three functions, means of exchange, unit of account, and um, store of value. And uh, in the past, we've seen store of value and uh, means of exchange um, being incorporated into different laws. So, for example, we saw El Salvador adopt uh, Bitcoin as a legal tender, which was uh, broadly celebrated. Um, but they didn't adopt Bitcoin as unit of account. You still have to do your accounting in US dollars in El Salvador. So actually, until Prospera did the, um, pass the um, confirmation that you could use Bitcoin for your unit of account to pay taxes and basically do everything in Bitcoin in the Prospera jurisdiction. Until then, it wasn't possible to go fully on the Bitcoin standard. So I'd like to just elevate the view one step and think of what it actually means. This is for the first time that all, I think, all the different aspects of money have um, been prepared um, for at least for, for a corporation where you can go fully on a Bitcoin standard, which is, I think, incredible. Uh, it's not something that I was thinking about doing this practically for myself. 
But looking up and seeing, hey, this is, I think there's going to be some game theory happening here. There's going to be jurisdictions starting to compete with Prospera, also wanting to uh, attract the Bitcoin economy. I can see a lot of entrepreneurs already starting to be interested in this, uh, in this, uh, possibility at least those that know the complications of interacting with the fiat uh, fiat rails when you are trying to be on a bitcoin standard um so with those words um we we should dive deeper into what it means um to uh specifically to have bitcoin as unit of account and kg with machankore is raise his hand so maybe you want to go next Oh yes, um, I effectively just wanted to add to the why you would want to run your business on a Bitcoin standard. Um, effectively, I think the reason Jorge gave with regards to why they even had to use Bitcoin to that extent in Prospera is similar to why I felt compelled. Uh, if your bank or your central bank or your government decides to then cut off access to you using the banking system, the thing that will always be there is Bitcoin. So it's better if you are always using it so that whenever that happens, you're okay, you're not, um, your operations are not affected. And as a South African entrepreneur, yeah, I've had a history where I've had a bank account being closed on me. Uh, and not have been able to continue operating if I, I would have not been able to continue operating if I had not had Bitcoin. And yeah, with Machangura, I made the decision that, okay, if ever something like that happens, it will not even affect me. I will not even finish reading the email or whatever communication they sent out from the bank that your account is closed because I'd be in a position where I am fully using uh, Bitcoin on a day-to-day basis. So for me, I was willing to go through the headache, but you know, uh, if Bitcoin is a unit of account you don't have the headache of capital gains and everything else and uh, the other thing is yes you could avoid the issues of uh, getting your bank account closed by having a bank account in another country but if you look at that history for african entrepreneurs you would see that in some cases african entrepreneurs have had their american bank accounts closed for whatever reason uh, i think south africa is now on the gray list uh fat of gray list or something like that so I'm never comfortable with my international bank accounts due to the fact that, oh, South Africa is on a gray list and it might be on a blacklist for whatever reason. Uh, That has nothing to do with what my actual business is doing. So best I keep as much uh, of the operations in Bitcoin as, as possible. And yeah, so that is just to add to the why. KG, uh, you raised a pretty nice uh, round uh, for your company. Uh, so just congratulations, congratulations on that. Um, you, you also talked about the uh, annoyances of, uh, say, the accounting systems in place and also trying to figure out, you mentioned it right now, the capital gains when you spend the Bitcoin. Could you elaborate on that for people that don't understand it? And I'd like to just before you answer add, um, so uh, Bitcoin as a unit of account may not be what you think of on a daily basis as a private person, but the fact is that 
uh, entrepreneurs run the world. So if we really want to orange pill the world, we need to get entrepreneurs and businesses on the Bitcoin standard. So um, I think like if, if you're looking from the outside and you're not an entrepreneur, uh, I think that's why it may be of interest. Basically, uh, we want to uh, run as many companies as possible with the Bitcoin standard. KG. Cool. Um, so I think for the point of capital gains is uh, Bitcoin is volatile and usually more volatile going upwards than downwards. But effectively, when it goes upwards, you technically have to pay a tax on that gain you made. And yeah, so there's a few ways to go around it. Uh, I think the uh, easiest way, which most companies actually use, is they keep a balance in dollars and only at the time where they need to make a transfer do they convert those dollars into Bitcoin and then send the Bitcoin so that they don't have to do any capital gains calculations. But yeah, uh, that invalidates all the one Wonderful properties of Bitcoin because, yeah, keeping a dollar account is not censorship resistant in any fashion, right? So, yeah, that is basically capital gains in a nutshell. So, I just like to add to that. So, my understanding is that actually, when you spend Bitcoin, if you keep and the price went up until you spent the Bitcoin. You don't only have to figure out what the dollar value was of the transaction in your accounting. You also have to figure out what capital gains uh, there was on that Bitcoin. So now you have double headaches compared to just transacting in US dollars where you don't have capital gains. You don't have to figure out what the, the value in another currency was. Um, hey, P, I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of uh, passing the mic here. Please feel free to interrupt no, me if no. you want. No, no, I'm I'm absolutely loving this. I think this is a super interesting conversation, and it's it's really important. I do want to flag. We have about uh, ten minutes left, so you know we should uh, probably in about five minutes we should start winding down. But let's keep going, okay. please. Okay, so I would really like uh, to hear Jorge if you could explain uh, what this um, what this means in terms of uh, the uh, uh, yeah the legislation in uh, in Prospera. Sorry, I was uh, interrupted by Paul. You mean uh, by with the with the Bitcoin as unit of account option? Yeah. What does it mean? Um, yeah. In terms yeah. of paying taxes, do, doing the reporting, and and things like that. Sure, sure. No. Um, so, and before that, I just want to mention that it's also a good thing that in Prospera, in general, you do not have capital gains tax. So that's also another thing you do not have to worry about here. But um, yes, uh, for using the Bitcoin as unit of account, all you have to do is basically give notice to the tax commissioner. I, I'm, I'm, I'm the current tax commissioner of Prospera, so you just uh, fill out a form. It's a very simple form. Use, I mean, it gets immediately, once you sign it, it gets immediately sent to my email. And then that's that. You have to send it in the first 30 days of the accounting period, which uh, goes yearly. But if your company is new or, 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 or you have not been operating, um, you know, you can still petition for it to be accepted, right? Or if you have been operating but with using Bitcoin and, and you prove this, then uh, we could also accept it. And then basically what that means, uh, 
and, and, and just for context, what we did was a change on how you pay taxes, right? Because in terms of uh, your private accounting, uh, the Prosperous system has always allowed you to to run your accounting in whatever uh, currency or, or unit of value you desire, right? So you could have done it in like uh, commodities or Bitcoin or or any currency. So that's entirely not regulated. It's up to the parties. And, and you can run your accounting however you wish on whatever unit. But at the moment you pay taxes, then uh, correct, you you had to do it either in Honduran Lempira or a US dollar. And I mean the 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 value because you could also pay in Bitcoin, you could pay in a series of other cryptocurrencies and many other um, many other currencies. But uh, the you know the unit of account was always Honduran Lempira or a US dollar. So what uh, we did now is that uh, you can uh, you only have to do at this stage a uh, one conversion that is uh, you have to pay for example your income tax uh, by April 30th of each year and basically you just uh, do one conversion you get all the amount of bitcoin you receive as your gross uh, revenue gross uh, business uh, uh, revenue and uh, you convert it to to dollar and pay one percent. Prosperous City has a one percent income tax. This is a income tax on on uh, you know on, on the gross revenues. So right now you currently in here only have to do one conversion, which is the day you pay the tax. You say how many Bitcoin I received as business income. I convert it to U.S. dollar and you pay. And we have it like this because there are some regulatory concerns uh, external. You know, basically because we use some uh, U.S. Uh, United States financial infrastructure, but uh, once uh, we get that uh, fixed or or, or get uh, an alternative, uh, you should be able to report your income tax in Bitcoin and pay it in Bitcoin, and you'll no longer have to do any conversion. It's already approved. It's just that we're we're doing that like the technical matter with this uh, because we one part of the process depends on on, on U.S. financial institutions, right? But um, that's it. Basically, you run your accounting in Bitcoin uh, and then you report your taxes uh, in Bitcoin and then you pay them in Bitcoin. Boom. Yeah, it's beautiful. So that's a great summary, Jorge. And Dusan, for, for what uh, Amity Age is doing and also maybe other things that you're thinking about, how how are you thinking about this uh, Bitcoin as unit of account? Uh, thank you, Lucas. So, yeah, we were researching it uh, more and more as well. And thank you that you are pushing it uh, further. So uh, currently we're operating, uh, uh, we're operating on, on Roatan, uh, a Bitcoin center, which consists of Bitcoin cafeteria where we're selling coffees, uh, you know, food for Bitcoin, some fermented drinks and stuff merchandise uh, we are running bitcoin atm as well so we have a couple of uh, revenue streams here that um we mostly price in dollars for people to understand but uh we are updating a, a price of dollar in satoshis uh, almost every day on our board in front of the bitcoin center so when people are entering they can see what's the price of a dollar in satoshis they can start to uh count in satoshis so we we plan to uh change the prices 
probably two Satoshis or experiment with that uh, a little bit. Um, so um, our our goal or like what we want to do is probably going to set up a, another company where we offload all the Bitcoin uh, transactions into um, because there are people sometimes coming from cruise ships. Uh, they don't have, you know, they are in a rush. So they just dump you some dollars. Uh, but right now we are getting here probably next week. We should be getting a small Bitcoin uh, Lightning ATM here. So people will have it super easy to, to change. So far we have only on-chain ATM. So this will help us as well. And maybe then we flip everything into Bitcoin. So because for people it will be super easy to convert their cash into Bitcoin. So uh, there are a couple of you know projects in a pipeline for us. And we would love to definitely uh, explore the opportunities and uh, and play with a Bitcoin as unit of account to to simplify everything. So far, I have Excel sheets that counting uh, the exchange trades on a daily basis when we receive transactions. But this would be so much simpler and like really tapping to the future of uh, not using any dollars. So I'd like to just summarize for context for everybody. You don't have to move to Prospera to an island in the Caribbean. Uh, to have an entity running Bitcoin as unit of account. You can register this online from South Africa or wherever you are in the world. KG has never been to Prospera. He's never been to Rotan or Honduras. Um, so he he's doing everything remotely. Also, you don't have to replace your existing company with uh, this Prospera entity. It's an add-on. You have your Delaware company, like, for example, Machankura, um, and uh, then you can have another entity that handles the Bitcoin part of the business, basically simplifying your business. So if you're an American entrepreneur, which I think is most of the people that are coming to Prospera, you can have your Delaware thing. You can you can still be uh, banking in, in the US. You don't have to move from Texas or wherever you're sitting. You can just have this thing as an extra piece that simplifies your life and makes you go on the Bitcoin standard. And um, at the top of this space, you have um, a tweet that, uh, that explains more uh, in depth what, what this is. So um, yeah, you can check it out. Uh, it's uh, basically uh, a space we did earlier. Uh, but uh, trying to cut it up as well into pieces if you're interested in specifics and specific questions. And uh, I, I don't represent Prosper in any way. I just really wanted this for myself. And I promised them that I would do a little bit of, uh, say, marketing um, so that it would be worth for them um, because at the end of the day, they're a business. They need this to work for them. So I promised that I would... Uh, would spread the gospel that uh, this is happening and it's possible. So uh, for me, it's purely egoistic. I'm building my company. I wanted this to happen for me. And uh, yeah, I hope others will do it as well so that uh, um, it's, it's really worth it for Prospera. So yeah. I love it. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, is there anything else that anyone else from uh, Prospera would love to throw in there to say as we wind down? I'd like to ask you a question. Do you have any questions or is there anything that you're thinking about? I mean, it's a little bit much maybe to wrap your head around. So, you know, honestly, I think you guys have done a remarkable job of summarizing all the, the main aspects involved. And I don't have any. I, I really want to come visit. Um, I think that exciting aspect of um, of how Bitcoin can 
you know, help grow economies and help, you know, underserved areas, maybe that's the best way to put it, thrive on our Bitcoin economy. So I love it. Yeah. Covered everything. Let's let's not let's not think of this though as a uh, as a thing that's removed from the U.S. or removed from the tech industry. I think this is at the core of the Bitcoin tech industry. I'd right. I'd like to repeat that. It's I'm going to incorporate my entity in Delaware, and uh, I'm also going to have a prosper entity. So it's it's for any entrepreneur that's looking to go fully on the Bitcoin standard. And Jacob, I'd like to hear your your thoughts as well. If, if there's anything that you're thinking about. Oof. Well, I mean, <clears throat> as P said, a lot of the questions that I had written down that you guys have already uh, went over. Um, yeah. So, so I mean, not, not too much, but I guess, so if I'm an American and I'm starting a business, right. How would I get linked up to creating the LLC and, and Prospera? You just go to their website, prospera.hn or, I think eprospera.hn and uh, or you can reach out to Jorge um, or yeah I, I don't work for them but I'm sh I'm happy to help I have a bunch of people reaching out to me um, I'd like to also add that it that uh, Swan you guys should uh, get a prosper entity <laughs> okay. all right well. On that note, I want to wind us down again. Thank you so much for uh, for coming in. If you want to learn more about this, please follow Lucas, follow Dushan, follow Jorge, uh, follow Machinkura, and really check out what they're doing down in Prisper High. It's really, really exciting. Um, I want to remind everyone to follow Swan on Twitter. We also have an incredible amount of content that we put out every day on YouTube, so check us out there. We also just launched a... 24-7 live price chart that's got amazing music playing so you can just like throw it up on your TV or on another screen in the background. It's really fun to watch. It's got like a countdown timer for each uh, one minute candle. It's great. And finally, if you haven't yet, check out Pacific Bitcoin. It is my personal favorite conference. Um, it's incredible. We have tickets on sale now. You do not want to miss it. It happens in LA. It'll be October uh, 17th, 18th, 17th, 18th, and 19th. Be there. Check it out. We'll be here tomorrow, same time, same place. Thank you so much. This has been Cafe Bitcoin.